Today's episode of the Ryan Rosillo Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Unpredictable NBA outcomes. Let's see. Uh, the Celtics are getting it handed to them lately, and that's a bit surprising. But they've had inconsistent lineup stuff, so maybe that's catching up to them. Maybe it's a tougher part of the schedule. But again, Spurs haven't been good. You wouldn't say they're one of the better teams, and they were up 22-3, to I believe, uh, this week. And then the Wizards lost. I wouldn't say the Jazz having this run, because if you dig through the Jazz opponents, like every team is under 500 except for the Clippers win. So they're on fire, but they're playing bad teams. So hopefully they get Mike Conley back at some point, and we'll see how good the Jazz can be, because they could get a teammate or get a teammate. How about this? Who can help you navigate the unexpected? Talk to a State Farm agent today. That was uh, kind of cheesy. Matt Leinert, USC guy. Two national championship games. Uh, we know the win against Oklahoma, against Texas. His thoughts on Joe Burrow, on Trevor Lawrence, his matchup, his pick for Clemson and LSU, Coach O. And then uh, I'm going to get a gym ruling on this because he had a little incident at the gym where maybe I I crossed over a line. I expect most people that chime in on this are um, going to be split, you know, etiquette, one of those deals. But Matt and I work out at the same Equinox. so. Um, I'm going to share that. I'm going to share that story with him. I'm going to share it with you too and open up to everybody. And then I'll do a little NBA stuff on one of the trade rumors at the very end of today's podcast. But before we get to Matt, I'm picking LSU. I know that's not a huge shock. Going into the Oklahoma game, uh, and there's text documentation of this. Hey, what do you think? I think LSU rolls against Georgia. Hey, I think LSU rolls. Going to Tuscaloosa, I don't know that anybody, I don't care who you are as an LSU fan, that was one of the most confident LSU teams I've seen going into that game, but I've also seen them confident when they were at home against Alabama and didn't score. So it's at Alabama. It's the history. They hadn't beat them since 2011 in that incredible 9-6 game that I was lucky enough to be at. And you know, I thought they were going to win, but then I changed my mind. I thought they were going to win, and then they win, and they were the better team. Clemson feels more like that than it does the Georgia and Oklahoma matchup. It would be absolutely disrespectful to Clemson for me to sit here and go, well, you know, I think LSU is going to roll them over. Now, I don't think you're going to hold LSU to under 24, 28 points. I just don't. And I think Clemson is the kind of team that can get some plays to the outside or ETN with, with big runs. And even we saw it from Lawrence running against Ohio State. I think LSU would rather play at Ohio State. I do. I do believe that. And, um, you know, I'm not going to get into the Ohio State thing. Call went against them, but you did have a lead, and Clemson came back because Clemson's really good, and so is Ohio State. But I, I don't know that I would sit here and be like, well, I feel like it would be hyped up a little bit more if it were Ohio State, and to the percentage of Ohio State Buckeyes fans that are absolutely insufferable. Uh, trust me, ESPN would rather Ohio State be in this title game. It's not debatable. They would rather that happen. So there's zero world where there's a conspiracy to keep them out because of ESPN. And I don't work for ESPN anymore. So if I really wanted to be that kind of guy, I would say, oh, you know, ESPN, you know, now that I'm gone, here's what really happens. I'm telling you. Uh, and honestly, I think most of you guys out there realize that there's just a portion of very upset, vocal Ohio State fans that are going to get over that game. But a bad call is a bad call. It's not because somebody at ESPN is like, all right, yeah, that review. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and say that's a fumble and not a touchdown. So that's who I'm picking. I'm headed to New Orleans uh, Friday. So that's later today, and we'll be down there doing a podcast. Chris Long is actually going to be in town. I think guys are getting there a little bit later than I am, and we have a bunch of cool podcast things planned. We do not have a live show. We're just going to be taping it where we're staying, and then I think there'll be some kind of Tuesday recap, and I should be back on the West Coast. So there you go. That's my pick. Okay, we got USC legend Matt Leinert with us. 
And I'm glad we were able to finally put this together. So let's talk title game. But I want to go back first to uh, the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta. Maybe we'll start with the Fiesta. All year long, we knew how good Ohio State was. I mean, I still look at them and go, hey, that's a really good team. Clemson, you give them the benefit of the doubt because of who they've been despite the schedule. After that game, what things were kind of confirmed or perhaps even changed your mind about who Clemson was? Um, you know, it's it's interesting. When you, when you watch that game, it, it's crazy. I still think Ohio State <clears throat> probably, you know, top to bottom in that roster is probably the more talented team. And, that, and Clemson's really talented, but they're probably the more talented team and um, really had opportunities to win that game. And, you know, there are a couple questionable calls and all that. But um, <clears throat> I think what I saw from Clemson is, is really – I've kind of defended them. You know, we don't cover we don't cover Clemson, we don't cover the ACC. But you know, when you watch them play, I've kind of defended them all year, saying like, I get the ACC was it was just was bad this year. It was just really terrible, and you can't control that if you're Clemson. But I always said like this, man, like that that championship caliber team. I play on those teams. I know how hard it is just to you just want to win. You just want to you just want to win in advance next week. And I kept saying that all year long, like. The people would say, you know, they haven't been tested, and they, what's going to happen if they get hit in the mouth? And I'm just like, like this team has been there. They got a quarterback who won a championship as a freshman. They got a coaching staff who's, you know, maybe the best coaching staff in college football. So, um, and, and I actually picked them to beat Ohio State. You know, if that doesn't mean anything, but I, I just thought that championship pedigree, uh, that quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, who you just you just know when when. You know, the game's online. He's just going to deliver. He did that all season long last year. He's done it this year, and he did it again in that in the Fiesta Bowl. And um, so, so in that regard, I just I just don't think you can underestimate a champion. You know, you know teams that have been there before. I, I will say this though: I thought they got exposed. And um, you know, this isn't the same Clemson team from last year. It's not the same Clemson team when they had Deshaun Watson. You know, this is a team that it really took. You know, it, it took a couple plays here and there, you know, officiating all that, but it also took just a Herculean effort from from their quarterback. And um, you know, this isn't the same as good as this defense is. It isn't the same D line from last year, and um, you know, they they struggled stopping the run in that game. Um, but like I said, that coaching staff, the adjustments, and just the championship mindset, Ryan, is just something that you can't teach and. Um, that's, what's going to be interesting in just, I mean, gosh, just how, how, they, how they try and defend Burrow and that offense and, um, you know, in the game. But, but I, again, I was impressed, man. Like I we covered Ohio state all season long. Ohio state's great. And, um, I think they actually match up better with LSU, uh, to be honest with you, but Clemson found a way to win and that's what champions do. Okay. So then the peach bowl. I didn't have a doubt in my mind that LSU was going to win yep. that game. Um, going into this, you know, and, and I've tried to say this, like, I can pick LSU, but if Clemson isn't winning the national championship, and I'm not going to sit there on Monday night going, how the hell did that happen? I mean, it's just that, that right. so dismissive of them. Uh, that would have happened if Oklahoma beat LSU. Did you see anything from that game? You know, we already know what the offense is, but what would you say about an LSU defense that statistically – had a lot of people poking holes in them, despite, you know, the thing I was always bringing up is that they're giving up points when they're up huge numbers other than right. maybe the Auburn and Florida games. Yeah, it's, it's you know, those those numbers are skewed a little bit, it's your point. And, you know, Grant Delpit was was dealing with an injury there. They're really talented safety. He was dealing with an injury, injury 
throughout the season. So this was a, this is a defense that um, has gotten better as the season's gone along. And then people do, you know, you look at the stats, you say, Oh, they gave up, you know, 300 yards passing. Well, to your point, I mean, they were, they, they were up by 30 points. So they're going to give up, they're going to give up mop up points and, and, and mop up yards at the end. But um, the defense, is really good. And listen, you, you could talk about Oklahoma, but Oklahoma offensively is outstanding. I mean, that that's an offense that we saw, you know, put up points on, on Georgia a couple of years ago in the playoffs. They put up a bunch of points on Alabama last year. So, you know, that that's an offense with Jalen Hurts and company that can score and they just shut them down. And, and again, when you get, when you dig yourself a hole against LSU, it's really hard um, kind of get out of your offensive mindset and your game plan. It's really hard to chase points against them because you have to be perfect. And, um, you know, I think they, they, they held Jake Fromm in the SEC championship game to like 46, 47% completion percentage. They did the same thing with Jalen Hurts. And um, they're really good. Now, look, I, I think, uh, you know, th- there's some holes. I think they're, they're a little big uh, up front, meaning that, you know, you can probably wear them down. Um, but that secondary with Stingley and, and Delpit, and I mean, uh, this is as good as a group is is Clemson will have seen. Uh, you know, Clemson got tested last week. Ohio State's a great defense. They're going to have the same test this week. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think we know about their offense. We know what they do. Um, it's just a machine. But defensively, with exception to one or two games um, this season, they've been pretty lights out. When. I was reading about you know some of the preview stuff and, and the joke down on campus in Baton Rouge is that, that there's no point in us watching any tape because everybody <laughs> who play does something different. How soon will you notice what Clemson is trying to do? I imagine as a quarterback, you notice it pretty quickly, but we know Venables. Yep. We know that he's as good as anybody. I thought one of the great things about that Ohio State game was was just – and I'm not saying I'm even close to like you guys that played, but certain things were like Day called the perfect play against a spot where it was like, you know, Venables, we know his back. He's going to bring pressure here. And they called like right. a great play to the right side. It was a nice gainer. And it was like, man, these two dudes are just dueling right now. How soon will you know kind of what you think Clemson's approach is going to be having to deal with an LSU offense that basically is four wide the entire game and depending on what they do with uh, Clyde? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Pretty soon. And, and it'll, and I think mentioned Clyde Edwards Alaire and I think first of all just he's an X factor. You know, we, we talk about these receivers and they're gonna be in three wide set, they'll be in four, they have, you know, Moss at the tight end. That that's just what they do. And they'll they make you defend five guys almost every time if they're not running the football. Um it's gonna to me, just really quickly on, on you know how long it'll take. I think I think a key is uh, Isaiah Simmons, a really talented player for Clemson who does everything for them. You know, are they going? How are they going to use him? Because, um, listen, if you blitz LSU, you're going to get gashed. If you sit back and play coverage and you can't get pressure on Burrow, he's going to gash you as well. So it's kind of it, it is that chess match. Like, all right, when pick pick your spots of when. Um, I, I think I think we may see Isaiah Simmons probably spy Clyde Edwards Alaire because he's so he's so good out of the backfield catching the football. Um, I think that could be an interesting wrinkle. That's something that that I'll be watching early in the game, kind of how they use him. Um, and and again, look, I think when you watch Oklahoma, Oklahoma clearly not the defense Clemson is, but it's you know can you can you get to Burrow with four guys and and try and play coverage on the back end and just 
and just make it difficult. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to stop them, but you just make them have to be, diff, you know, have to get six, seven yards at a time, not 25, not 40. And if you can do that, the hope is, Hey, maybe Joe Burrow's going to give us one or, or, Hey, you know, we have a pretty good front four. It's not the same as last year, but Hey, we, you know, we, we, rattled Justin Fields pretty good there in the second half. We got after him pretty good. We didn't allow him to to run around and make some plays because Burrow is Burrow's not an elite runner, but Burrow's damn good at, at, at getting outside the pocket and making plays. I mean that's something that that really has impressed me with him. So um I think to answer your question, I think it, it'll it'll be interesting. It'll it'll take a couple series to kind of get a feel of hey, are they gonna be are they gonna be in man to man, which is dangerous against them? Are they gonna play uh, you know, are they going to zone blitz? Are they going to drop a drop a D lineman to maybe spy Burrow and 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 you know, or and have eight guys in coverage? But I think the the biggest thing that Venables does is is adjusting, and he is great, and he's had two weeks to prepare for this game. Um, if you look at Ohio State, and Ohio State's offense is not LSU, but the two halves. I mean, it was a tale of two halves, and what Clemson's defense did, and. That's going to be something too, as as you watch in game. Just depending on where the score is and how they're moving the football, the the second half adjustments that Venables makes. But you know, this this offense, man, it's 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 so good. And Burrow is Burrow is so good at just knowing where the ball is. You can't if you pressure him. You know, there's built-in side adjusts. There's built-in hot routes. If you if you play zone coverage, there's always just somebody open. Um, if you play man to man, you have really talented wide receivers that can be one on one coverage. So, uh, and then you have a running back who can just who can beat you, be, being a physical runner up the you know between the tackles outside or how valuable he is just catching the ball in the backfield. And and um, you know we like to kind of say we we've talked about Burrow a lot on our show. It's just you know that th- the answers to the test are given to him before the before he even walks up to the huddle, meaning. You know, no matter what defense he goes up and sees, he knows, and this is this is credit to him, but he knows where the ball needs to go. And it could be a you know in the flat for two yards, or it could be hitting Jamar Chase down the sideline. So um, that's that's the cat and mouse game you'll see uh, between LSU and Joe Brady, the passing game quarter, and Venables. And I think it's fascinating because I think Clemson, you know, again they have athletes; they've been there before. Um, and can they do just enough uh, just to slow down this offense? For as much as you can rave about any of the Burrow numbers, and it maybe feels a little bit more real because of the competition, but if Clemson were new to this, I'd go, well, I don't know what the numbers mean because the ACC was so bad, but I'm not going to do that because ETN is insane. Eight yards per carry yep. at any moment he can get loose. And whenever I've watched you know, Clemson and you see – Obviously, Ross and, and T. Higgins running around all over the place. You're like, these guys are, are crazy matchups. What are you looking then for those two guys who they're going to want to keep on the outside against the Fulton-Stingley pairing that, you know, Fulton's supposed to be the guy and now Stingley is. Right. Um, and so we know the secondary for LSU is better than their the defensive line. What would you expect out of Clemson? And, you know, Dabo's not exactly a guy that's going to hang back. He's a really aggressive dude. But what are you going to be looking for there? Because, I mean, there's an argument, despite Burrow's numbers, that Trevor's still the better quarterback. He, well, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, well, he, he has the number one pick in the draft this year and he has the number one pick in the draft next year. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I think, I think the way Clemson is going to have to, I mean, I got it. It's just hard. I, I think, you know, the recipe for success is 
is they got to they got to run the ball uh, first and foremost. You have to. I thought that's what I said. I thought Ohio State exposed them a little bit offensively because they had Okuda and they have Wade. You know, before he got knocked out of the game or uh, suspended from the game, you know, they had a really talented secondary that can just kind of match up and play man, and, and you know, just make it make it more difficult on Ross and Higgins. And you know, it really wasn't until the, the end of the fourth quarter where Lawrence started making just some plays through the air. Um, LSU same situation. Stanley is a stud. Uh, Delpit, you know, he's not great. They, they have athletes back there and, um, you know, they're going to play some man to man coverage. So I do think you have to, you have to take shots. You still have two dudes on the outside who are six, four, who can just go up and get the ball. You have Trevor Lawrence who, who, you know, like you said, Burrow has been great. Probably the top two quarterbacks in college football this year. I think, I think that's easy to say. Um, but, the difference is in what we saw against Ohio State was Lawrence's athleticism and the ability to run the football. He's 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 fast, like he can move, and he showed that. And um, I think that is partly what their game plan has to be: is hey, you know, we're going to have to run our quarterback a little bit more, and and some of it's design runs, and that's what and I talked to Urban Meyer about this, and Urban said they were they were caught off guard by some of the quarterback counters and the huge draw runs where they just didn't, they didn't have an answer for him. Um, and again, LSU is going to watch the tape and understand that that's going to be part of the game plan, but you still got to go off and defend it. And then now if you see on Lawrence, then that's like you said, Travis Eakin, who's as explosive and he's a violent runner and he's fast and he's a light Clyde Edwards in the sense that he does a lot out of the backfield as well. So uh, this Clemson offense is, is, is really talented. They're really good. And they got a quarterback who, um, just, I mean, he hasn't lost a game. Like, like he's, he's a stud. So I, I think as much as they do have to take shots downfield and you have to attack the secondary, um, he's got to run the ball and he's got to run the ball often. And, and they got to get ETN going. If they take away that, um, then I just don't see Clemson matching score for score with LSU. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. At least where I go, I don't know how LSU scoring less than 28 points, um, but Clemson at any moment can can match them. But absolutely, I, I just anybody saying oh Clemson's defense and they're going to shut this LSU team down. I've just never really seen anything where when you look at Burrow's completion percentage, you know normally you go oh, okay you're running some weird kind of like mini spread thing where you're going out to the flash. You're like yep. no, he's actually throwing the ball downfield as much as anybody in the country, and he's been better than everybody and, down the field. And it's one on ones, and he's just making the right throw all the time. And it's like it's really. Again, seeing it live, I've seen him four. This will be four times where I go, Ew, like it's, it's crazy, it, man. It's really, yeah. It's, it's, it's. They're not dinking and dunking. Like this isn't, you know, this isn't the air raid offense where, you know, you're just you're you're completing eighty percent of your throws and you you know you're throwing about eighty five times a game. You know, he's he's he is so efficient, but he's so accurate down the field. He's so accurate at the intermediate throws at the you know the screen game, all of those and. That to me, like, like I, I think, you know, you can go back to, you know, Kyler Murray, and you can go back to some of these these seasons quarterback Johnny Manziel, you know, back. I mean, it's some of the greatest just quarterback seasons we've seen in college, and I think Joe, I think this is the great. I, I think it's the greatest quarterback, especially if he wins, season we've seen, and it's because of what you just said. It, you know, he didn't have the rushing numbers and all that, yet yet he moves well, but to complete what 80% of your throws in the SEC when, you know, not every SEC 
team is great, but against but against those athletes and some of the top defenses. And and if you look at his just every game and the box score, I mean, he didn't have a da- he didn't have one bad game. And to me, it's just it's a credit to the coaches, but it's a credit to to him and just the work that he's put in. And I'm telling you what, like he, like he's you know he's uh, you know if he gets drafted by Cincinnati or whatever, like like he's a stud. Like I, I was. Before the season, and then he started, he was going on this run, four or five games, just like, gosh, I just don't know. And then the more you watch, just in like, he's operating, this, I mean, he's operating an NFL system right now. He's got NFL dudes around him. Um, he's smart. He's a competitor. He's tough as hell. Um, and he's, he's, he just gets it, man. And, and he's been so impressive. Like, I, I just, to do this week in and week out is, I just, we haven't seen it before. His feet in the pocket. Or the thing, like I always kind of joke about some of the stuff I've given up on and trying to figure out who's going to be good in the pros <laughs> or quarterback. And I think mobility in the pocket is up there with, yep. with anything, and, and he's terrific. But then again, I look at Trevor's throw to the back of the end zone against Ohio State, and it's you know I don't care what your numbers are, I don't care what your efficiency is. Can you be flushed out of the pocket, go in the wrong direction, and throw a dart in the back of the end zone? So I hope any Clemson fan that's listening to this, knowing you know my own bias and traveling down and, and watching a bunch of LSU games over the last decade. Like there's no part of me that's not, you know, if you're an LSU fan, you should be scared to death of that guy. Cause he's as capable as any, he's the, he might be the only other quarterback in the country that's capable of matching Burrow play for play. That, that's just how it's. Yeah. He he's, he's, I mean, he's the whole package and it, it's funny, man. You, you, you look at these quarterbacks and, and Brady and I, you know, I worked out with Brady back in the day and he's, he's, he's a, you know, he's a surgeon. He's so precise in his, in his, in his work and just, and freeze is the same way. And yes, some of these guys who are just, that's how they are. You know, the, you know, the kind of the Tom house guys, you know, the, and just the mechanics and, and they just do it every single day. And then you have, you know, guys like Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and just kind of the, the guys who just can throw from any platform. They can throw from any arm angle. Um, and, and they're just as accurate and it's just the way they are. And, and, and Burrow proved that this year where, um, you know, he's got, he's, he's great mechanics, but he's great outside the pocket. He's great when there's pressure in his face. He can throw from different platforms. He doesn't have to have a great base every time he throws. And, and Trevor Lawrence is, is that way as well. I mean, I, I think, I mean, again, I'll tell you, like, it's a, the two top picks on the draft the next two years. I mean, it, it's just, it's remarkable. And both of them are, I mean, Joe Burrow was an all state basketball player. He's a great, and he's a great athlete. Trevor Lawrence just, I think I think he opened people's eyes last last weekend against Ohio State when he had that what sixty seventy yard run and we're like he's running away from guys who run like four 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 five. I mean you just saw they're just special and this is a really just incredible uh, matchup to watch just from a you know me being a quarterback just watching these two kids play um, both winners both outstanding like students of the game and and, and humble guys great teammates but. Just, just ultimate competitors, man, and, and um, yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence makes some throws too. That I'm just like, wow, like, <laughs> like that shouldn't happen. We have more of Matt Liner here in a second, including I need a ruling on a gym altercation that happened the other day, <laughs> um, and we'll get back with Matt here in a second. 
The second week of the playoffs is upon us. The bad news is that there's only a few more weeks left in football season. But the good news is you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. And if you've never played before, there's even more to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million top prize this weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stand to the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at the $1 million top prize. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. With only the best football teams left, there's no better time to be playing. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUSSILLO. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code RUSSILLO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You know, you're still out in out in Los Angeles, you know, and it, it's been cool getting to know you a little bit, you know, living in the same town, running into each other and everything. And and you, to me, are still USC, you know, honored at the Rose Bowl. I feel like every every few months you're being honored and you deserve it because you guys <laughs> had an unbelievable run. So don't give me the humble thing, which I know you would do because you're a really good guy. But do you think <laughs> – I got to talk to Coach O, so maybe I should phrase it this way. I was down in Baton Rouge when Coach O, you know, gets the LSU gig. There was a lot of like, great, he's one of us, but right. what's, you know, what's really going to happen here, you know – Maybe the old Miss thing is still stuck in their head, but he got everybody to play for him at USC. But knowing that school and knowing how everybody's supposed to kind of be a cultural fit to the place they're in, that LA is just wired a little differently, and it had felt like the pro program here before the other two teams showed up. Do you think anyone at USC regrets not giving him a better chance and having more of an open mind, which even at the time, I think most people are like, yeah, it makes sense. Like Coach O is not going to be the head coach of USC. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think go back. Um, it, it, gosh, yeah. I mean, I think now it's like God. I wish we had Coach O. But um, I, I think in that time, you know, there were a, a handful of questionable decisions that clearly, you know, didn't work out in USC's favor, and it's the reason why they're still trying. They're just looking up. Um, but you know, I, I think that was. There was never, there was never a doubt that Coach O and I love Coach O. We're still really tight, and I'm so happy for him. But there was never a doubt that he could get a team to to play for him, you know, because he is just an emotional guy. He is, he's a great recruiter. He just, he, you just want to run through a brick wall for him, and that was, that was never a doubt. I just think it maybe with the Ole Miss stuff, and then just. You know, I don't think people were really sure if he could be a head coach again. I don't know. You know, obviously they just they screwed up. And um, yeah, I mean, I think when you look back, is 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 they were you know so cognizant of just the Pete Carroll and the, the tree, and this is what we need to bring back. And Coach O, hey, he's a little different. You know, he speaks a little different. He's from the South. Like, not your, he's not your traditional L.A. USC guy in that regard and that probably worked against him at the time which um you know it is what it is I, I say this about Coach O I, I was um I was with Coach O four out of the five years I was there um and he was a hell of a, um, a great D-line coach we had some of the best units in the country he just he got us ready to play in, in the role that he had and 
LSU, and, and, and I'm not on the bandwagon here, it, it does not surprise me um, the success he's having because he's he learned from his own missed days. Um, he learned how to adapt, bringing in Joe Brady and just changing this offense. Um, and, 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 you know, hiring Dave Aranda is a great defense coordinator. And I'll tell you what, man, like, like he's, he's, he's one of the best. And, um, you know, we actually talked the other day, we still joke and he used to, he used to call me gator bait, man. He used to run around practice, say gator bait, gator bait. And he's just, these guys are coming for me, you know, but, uh, I'm, I'm pumped for him, man. I'm happy for him. And, uh, he deserves this and he's such a great dude. He's a great coach. He's a great leader. Um, and that's why this team, that's why this team plays the way they do. Um, they got the same personality. They're confident. They're, they're aggressive. They know they're really good, but they work their ass off and it shows up and, you know, shows up on game day. So let's go back to your first title game. And, you know, you hadn't lost a game, obviously. You had that close one with UCLA at the end of the year um, up at the Rose Bowl. You're taking on number two Oklahoma, 55-19 final score. I think when I'm young, I don't think about it. And now that I'm older, I think about it more. I mean, like, you know, to have this attention paid upon you and go in and right. title, but you got to walk around for a few weeks. Were you nervous <laughs> at all? Because I, I don't, I don't even know what the answer. Like the easy answer would be like, well, yeah, of course, I'm the national championship. But then the other part of me is like, you guys were so good, or maybe you saw something on right. film against Oklahoma. Let's go back and, and think about a, a liner USC kid getting ready to play in his first title game. You know, it's it's funny, man. Like I never like we were. It, it's gonna it's gonna sound bad, but like we just like every game was the same, and we were rolling so well that. Yeah, they're, they're, the title game is a different feel, but you just—I mean, sh- like when when the whistle blew, is this another game? You know, and and and, and I know that's kind of cliche, but it really felt that way. I think, um, you know, oh three, oh four, we had a chance to play in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. So, you know, to me, that was—I remember that was a game that I was nervous because it was like that was my first year starting. Um, that was our, you know, the year before we went to the Orange Bowl and beat Iowa, and Carson Palmer won the Heisman that year, and that was kind of the first year we were back and then now I'm filling those shoes and, you know, the expectations were so great. Uh, so the Rose bowl against Michigan, I was, you know, I was more nervous. I think, you know, then we were rolling and, and, and playing Oklahoma. And, and to be honest, I'll never forget. So that's the year I won the Heisman and Adrian Peterson is a true freshman finished second. Uh, I think Jason white um, might've finished third who had won it the year before. Um, and then, you know, Reggie was there and Alex Smith and, and, um, you know, we had a good year, obviously. And then I remember when we're, we're in, uh, Miami for all the orange ball activities and seeing them and they were looking at me, you know, and, and, and listen, you see me at the gym, you know, I'm tall. I don't, I don't, you know, I never was, I wasn't blessed with a lot of muscle, but <laughs> they were like, this kid won the highest. And like, Oh my God. Like they were, they were like talking smack right to my face. And, and, uh, I'll never forget. And I was just like, all right guys, like, you know, like I had a lot of confidence, like, all right. And, uh, and then, you know, we just put a whooping to them. So, um, did you say anything it, to anybody? No, not really. Come on. Uh, my teammates, you know, my, I was, I've always kind of been the same. I was always just, you know, like, like, you know, I, I, I led when I need, I mean, I, I was vocal when I needed to be, but, um, I just, you know, C- coach Carroll was always, Hey, don't give them bulletin board material. We'll just go, we'll, we'll go kick their ass on the field. And that's what we did. So, um, but you know, I, I'm, the the other game and, and maybe you're going to ask me that but I'll just get into it the the 
Rose Bowl game against Vince Young in Texas. That was different. And the reason why that was different for, for a few reasons, one, um, you know, I'd come back from my senior year and there was a lot of expectations on us as a team, you know, going for a three-peat, um, you know, just the bullseye on our back. And, and, you know, that's why I always give credit to, you know, to even teams like New England and the NFL just and Clemson and Alabama, like just, you know, it is hard to stay on top for a long period of time. It's just, it, it weighs on you, man. It's just you're taking everybody's best shot. And, and that season was so emotionally draining for us. So that game and knowing like on the sideline, Vince Young, who, who I had the utmost respect for, I followed his career as I was playing in college. I just knew it was, I was just like, this can be a tough one. You know, this kid is special. And that game felt different. Uh, one, it was my, it was a senior it was my last game. Um, and two, like no one had won three titles in a row. You know, we were trying to make history. And um, so, so the butterflies, the nerves, kind of the pressure uh, of that game, I think weighed on me a little bit. Now, once you, you know, get in the game, it's a game and you play and you're in the heat of the moment. You're not thinking about all that stuff. But leading up to that game was a lot different than the other ones, just because there just was, there was just more pressure on us. And it's still maybe the greatest game I've ever seen. Uh, it was, I I still, I still think it is. It's, it's when you really like when you, when you, and now, I mean, all these rosters, you know, you're at Clemson and Bama and these rosters and they're all riddled with NFL guys. and, And that's the way it is now. But back then, you know, you look at, it's funny when I, I've, I've, you know, I always get taught, asked about that game, but you forget like Jamal Charles was their running back. Who's probably a hall of famer in the NFL. Maybe you, you go, you know, their whole secondary was like first round picks. And you know, Brian Arakpo who's a great NFL player was a backup linebacker. And, and granted we were stacked too, but I'm just thinking like all the players on that team. And then, and then uh, how about this? Our, our backup linebackers in that game, were, um, you know, Brian Cushing actually started in that game, but he was a backup most of the season. Ray Maluga was a backup. Um, uh, Kaika Maiva was a backup who ended up playing for Oakland and Cleveland for, for a handful of years. Um, it was just like, it, the game just had so many freaking talented players. And um, and then the game itself, just the back and forth and all that. So I, I'm a little biased, and I know we lost, but I still think that's the greatest college football game of all time. I, I think I agree with you on that one. I'd have to go back and really dig into it, but I know when I was on some sort of video thing that we did before when I was at ESPN, I was like, I don't really know what else to pick. Like I was, after the game, <laughs> you know, I was just at my house. I was living in Boston still, and I was just on the cat. It was funny because I was on this Boston Daily Talk show, and we never talked college football. We didn't talk college football the day of the national title game. We didn't talk it the day after, and I remember being like, can we not do Red Sox off season? Can we talk a little bit about what just <laughs> happened last night? And they were like, no, no one's going to care. No one's going to call in. Uh, I've always have, have said, I've met him once. Do you think Brian Cushing and I would be good friends if we knew each other? I mean, are you just, just because you guys are swollen, you like to do bench press? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> no, but when I watched the, when I watched <laughs> the, the, uh, the hard knocks when he was with the Texans, <laughs> and I know he's the strength guy there now. I just was like, I can't tell if I would hate him or if I would, because he reminded me of a friend that I had when I was growing up who we were all like close. (laughs) He was our best friend, but we all secretly like hated him because he kind of was a dick to all of us all the time too. So I kind of love that about Cushing. (laughs) Cush is, Cush is still one of my good buddies. We talk, uh, we talk often, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll text each other random stuff, but 
he's an all timer, man. Like he's, he's got a very different sense of humor. And I remember the hard knocks too, cause he was, he was, uh, you know, he was kind of highlighted in that he's funny. Um, he's kind of an ass, but like, but he's a great, like, like you would love him. Like he's like, he's the guy that's like, you want to be in the trenches with, like, he's got your back. If he's your boy always. Um, and the dude is just crazy, man. Like he's just, he's just, he's just not all there upstairs. And that's just why I love him. He's a great teammate. Okay. So that's a good way to segue into here. Also, Hey, can I get a pick from you in the national title game? Like, it sounds like you're leaning LSU. Well, no, I actually, we just, <laughs> we just taped a, um, a show of Fox for the, for the title game preview. And I actually took Clemson. So okay. I kind of had to go against the grain because everybody else took LSU. And um, look, I mean, I think, kind of what we talked about. Like, I think LSU, it's going to be hard to beat them, but I think if there's a team that can beat them, it's Clemson. You know, Clemson is a, they've been there. They got the quarterback. Um, and it just, it just, it just wouldn't surprise me if they made enough plays to win. So I actually picked, I, I picked Clemson earlier, so I can't go against that. Okay, perfect. All right, here's the ruling. So we're both at the same gym in town. Um, I don't know. If I go to talk to you, probably more than you talk to me, because you have you have a trainer and and Dwayne's our guy. Uh, but then sometimes when I talk about something, I'll have somebody be like, "Hey, were you talking about me in the podcast?" I'll mention like a story every now and then, and I feel like, "Oh no, that's right. Maybe I shouldn't do that." But I'm going to do it here, and hopefully this doesn't get back to me. I don't really care though. So it's right after New Year's Eve. We know that that's the rush, that mad rush of of you know. <laughs> and I'm I never knock anybody. Hey, you're in there. You're do, you're putting in the time. I'm not going to give you a hard time. But we had. I was trying to fig- finish up on the shoulder press machine, kind of like just, you know, a little rapid <laughs> fire at the end, just the plate machine. And right. the guy on the phone, he was on the phone for a few minutes. I was waiting and I wasn't going to say anything because, you know, you never know. You never know. And then he left the plates on. He left his towel on the chair and then he went over to the treadmill. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, oh, wow. That's I, bad gym etiquette, man. Right. So I walked over because I was, I was like, all right, man. And I was like, are you done over there? He's like, yeah, it's all you. And then I did do a, are you fucking kidding me? And I turned around and he was like, what? Excuse me? So he didn't like, cause a lot of successful guys in that gym and I don't care <laughs> what size you are. You don't want someone giving you that. And I shouldn't have sworn. And he came over and was like, look, man. And he explained it. And I was like, okay, I got it. But I was like, but I'm waiting and you're on the phone. Like, I feel like he kind of broke three different things there, but you know what? I should not have sworn. It's a little pent up from after the new year's Eve and a lot of guys in here. And you know what? I know you're in here all the time. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that part of it. But you know, and he's like, no, I got it, but he wasn't loving it. So I need a ruling from you on that one. So what you should, that you shouldn't have, or you should have gone up to him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. I certainly don't think it's worth it for me because now, if the person would ever see or know well, who I are was, you or tell me, do you, do you know who the person is? No, no. I, I've seen him in there oh. a few times. He seems nice enough, and you know, I think we kind of worked I'm, it out. I'm not, listen, I'm not. I'm not the guy. Like the other day, I'm in there and I'm doing, I'm doing a, like a little circuit, you know, like a little buy and try circuit, and there I'm literally doing like tricep push downs. And I go to my next one, and then all of a sudden, this dude, this younger kid who's in there all the time, comes in and just takes off the handle and just it switches. I'm like, and I'm I'm the guy who never says anything. I'm just like, are you kidding me, man? Like, really? Then I just go do another version of the of the tricep pushdown. But um, I like the one thing that bothers me is the phone. That bothers the hell out of me. And then you leave your towel and the weights. And then you go to the treadmill. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at you, man. 
I'm not mad at you, but I'm not also trying to pick fights in the gym either. So I, I wasn't, know. but I definitely, I don't think I should have sworn, especially if you're somebody no, that's going to be recognized. You, you know, that, that's no. your, you know, you're, you're, you're a South Bay guy now. That's your home gym. You know, you don't want to piss anybody off in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that there's like this thing where you go, okay, well, I have two options here. I can stew about it and not say anything. And you don't really want to be that guy. But then it's also like, what's it really worth? Now, if that guy knows who I am, he's going to tell everybody like, hey, you know who's the word? Russell is an asshole. And there's going to be a version of it that he tells. And you yeah, never know what I that guess, phone call is. Like, what, what if that phone call is about a kid and a parenting issue? And it just had, you had to pick it up. And I, I, I would, I'd be like, you know what? Well, then, then, I, then I think you're kind of an asshole, dude. And you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, we don't know. We don't. We'll never know. But you know, you know what's funny? I'm thinking like, there's got to be a like, like how great would it be to have like a reality show or like a hidden can? Something about the gym because it's like the the things that go on in a gym and the people watching and just that type of stuff. Like to me, it's 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 awesome. Like I, I like getting on the on the uh, the elliptical not because I burn calories because it doesn't do anything for me but just like you just you just kind of people watch you just it's, it's hilarious but that, and that would have been a good example of the people watch just brian or Stillo just getting pissed off at the dude <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm putting myself out there i'm expecting some criticism on it but i do think enough things had happened there in succession where i was like you know what you're probably yeah, I'm right. with you man i'm not yeah. i'm not against you. i think you might have did, did the right thing you're in la you've got a name out here i can get you in a meeting we, we pitched that and it would be instead of like, I know they've already done gym rescue, but just instead of like Vanderpump rules, just have it be at a gym. You can get Jackson. How great is it? Are you a Vanderpump rules guy? Let me just say I'm aware of what's going on, but I'm not locked in. Oh, dude. Let me do yourself I'm a below a deck favor guy. and just. I'm a big below deck guy. Oh, I like that too, actually. Do yourself a favor and just, just, just get season one of Vanderpump rules, give it a couple, and then, and then you'll be, you'll be at season eight by no time. All right. Okay. Uh, wow. That sounds, it sounds like I'd have to get a girlfriend for that though. And I don't know if I can make that kind of commitment to, to a DVD or, uh, or that. All right, man. Um, it's always great visiting with you seriously. And I, I really appreciate it and enjoy the national championship game. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, buddy. Good to talk to you, man. I'll see you. I'll see you at the gym, bud. A couple NBA things that I want to do before we say goodbye. Today's podcast is sponsored by ADT Commercial for Business. ADT Commercial serves businesses ranging from mid-sized organizations to large-scale enterprises. Think of them as a special team who has one focus, your business security. They provide a comprehensive line of security, fire, life safety, and risk management solutions, professional-grade systems for commercial-grade businesses. With ADT Commercial, every day is game day. Fortune 1000 companies rely on ADT Commercial for highly complex scalable, integrated solutions that help solve their unique business challenges. And if you're looking for a partner to upgrade or take over the monitoring and servicing of your current system, ADT Commercial can help to painlessly install and maintain large-scale and multi-site businesses. They make it easy to switch providers. Their onboarding is predictable, dependable, and painless. Schedule a no-obligation security review with ADT Commercial for business. No pain. That's good in sports and good in business security. Visit ADT.com forward slash game day to learn more. That's ADT.com forward slash game day. This is the rumor time of the year where things get cranked up a little bit. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the NBA transaction world that gets talked about, like December 15th. Oh, everybody's available to trade it. Guess what? Nobody gets traded. Cool. Um, that's kind of like this fake hype date. It's not as fake as the hype around trade exceptions. I mean, the amount of teams over the years are like, oh, we have this $12 million trade exception. Okay, so let's just, let's say it's, let's make it even bigger. Hey, we have a $20 million trade exception. Cool. You guys never use them. 
You want to know why you never use them? Because any team that would be willing to trade into a trade exception for maybe just a couple picks, that player at $20 million is either so overpriced, nobody else wants him, you know, or is bad enough that they want him on the team, and then you go, okay, well, wait a minute, why am I doing this then? Why am I sending out no salary with the straight exception to then take on a player that actually is the market is so bad for him that I would want him on my team? I mean, it's actually pretty easy when you when you say it that way. But front offices love selling you on the idea that the trade exceptions now there's it allows you some flexibility if a trade were to come along. I'm not saying none of them are used, but I'm telling you that it's very overrated. Now, as we're into January, and this is how the trade 101 stuff happens. Uh, there are people that you should trust. Woj is clearly at the top of the list. I was at that Lakers-Knicks game the other night and walking around, talking to a couple of different guys, and we were just talking about Woj. And we're like, his batting average is like off the charts. I wouldn't put anyone in any other sport. Maybe Glazer. Um, but, you know, Glazer like just hammers you with a huge story like a couple times a year where Woj is like, okay, this is, this is what's up. But as Woj has taught me, Whenever I've been on his podcast or the other way around, he's like, you know, I don't like to, if Woj says like, oh, there could be something like this, then it turns into a huge thing. And you don't even have to be Woj to have that happen to you. But this is the part that I think is kind of unfair about how all the information comes out. Now, there's always been this thing where people will say, well, you know, anonymous sources are terrible. If you didn't get anonymous sources, you would never hear about anything. Okay. If you had to put your name on anything, or let me say it this way, if a front office person had to put their name on every piece of information that came out to us then this whole thing would be like way less fun, okay? It would be a lot less fun, and you wouldn't have anything coming out until it actually happened. And that would not be, it'd be an improvement for players, coaches, and the people doing these deals. It would not be more fun for you, the consumer. So whenever a fan says, oh, you know, these these anonymous sources, and it's always great, too, when players are like, oh, these anonymous sources, when it's like, dude, you guys are anonymous sources half the time, too, because you can't put your name on it when you're dogging a guy that's on your team. So let's just put that one out of the way and say, let's not get all bent out of shape about anonymous sources. Number two, um, I remember a GM pulling me aside and he goes, you know what I think is really funny about the business, but I would never say it publicly because I don't care and I'm not fighting for media rights here. It's that you guys are more vicious to each other than ever before and that you don't care who you're burning or who you're contradicting, but the viciousness with how the information is put out there and the irresponsibility, because it's not like you're hey, I'm a reporter covering a team, and if I'm irresponsible about something, then I could totally ruin my relationship with this team that I'm covering, and then I might be useless to my media outlet because now this team has shut me out. That's a real thing. But media to media, you know, these places on Instagram, they don't give a shit. Like, all right, content, boom. I don't care if this is right or not, and I'm going to spin it a certain way. And I think it's funny that teams have noticed it because they're like, we read these things and be like, what is going on? And then again, a GM's not going to go, hey, by the way, while I'm here, you you websites need to take it easy on each other. Uh, they don't care. They don't care, but it was a cool observation. So as I'm setting all of this up, like look at the Carl Anthony Towns thing. Carl Anthony Towns reported Ethan Strauss, who we had on the podcast, um, and Ethan's really good. He knows the Warriors as well as anyone, said, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is somebody that the, the Warriors are paying attention to. What does that really mean? I mean, were they not paying attention to him before? But clearly somebody told Ethan that it's really good stuff. Like that's that's interesting. It it makes it a little bit more real. But somebody else could call the Warriors and be like, hey, what's going on with Carl Anthony Towns? And off of that report, the initial kind of like the humor reaction is to go, well, wait a minute, you know, like, yeah, we we know who he is, but you know, we're not calling every day to ask for him. So that's something that happens where it's a team can tell a reporter something. 
And then another reporter can go to that team after it kind of became a story, and then maybe that team wants it to die down a little bit, or sometimes the team doesn't want it to die down. Sometimes teams say stuff to you because they want you to say it, so it messes with the other team. But it's very simple. It happens constantly. National guy says something. Local guy asks the team that was talked about about that. Then local guy just shoots it down because somebody... And you could be talking to four or five different people with the team. And people within the team could disagree about it. So it's just something to remind yourself of when you see this stuff. Is like, I got an interview request the other day. And was like, hey, do you think, you know, I'm not going to say which team it was. Like, do you think that, you know, we could trade potentially for Carly the Towns? Like, I don't know. Yeah, you know, like what? I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you in a text if I knew anyway. Um, and it's like, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around. And then you go and look at it and be like, what is it? All it is is, the Warriors are monitoring Carl Anthony Towns to then every single basketball blog of every single fan base being like, what could we do for Carl Anthony Towns? You want to know why? Because it's fun. Because it's fun to do that. It's fun to sit around with your buddies and go, is there any possible way? Like, what would you do? Now, something that Bill has pointed out, which I think is smart and it's true, is that some of the contracts are so out of whack. And I don't mean it as like guys are making too much money. They should be making this much money. But the jumps in salary have made it very hard to trade for some of these guys because the let's say upper class, right? You could say upper and middle and lower, and then you could do the five classes if you want to go upper, middle, lower, middle, and that kind of stuff. But the upper class makes so much money, and the lower class probably makes less than ever before that it's just hard to add up enough guys to make those kinds of trades. So Carl Anthony Towns would have to go absolutely nuclear, uh, Jimmy Butler style, and it would be pretty unprecedented considering he's in year one of his extension, uh, which is going to happen at some point. So when you know Bobby Marks, I like, he goes, yeah, this is going to happen. It's only one one year into the extension, maybe you know, year three, I believe that he was going to force his way out. A guy will sign a max contract and he will want out. I mean, Kevin Love is now year two of his extension that good for him for getting it, stupid for Cleveland for signing him to it because Cleveland was trying to do, hey, everybody, we have good news. Even though LeBron left, we just signed Kevin Love to a deal that doesn't make a lot of sense, but we just want good PR for a day. And that's really what that was. And I don't know what's going to happen with Love because I think last summer the rumors were Cleveland looked at it as, and I've said this before, Cleveland looked at his deal and his ability as, hey, you have to trade for this. And other teams are trying to argue, no, 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 we we will trade to take that off your hands and you need to give us something to take that deal off. So the town stuff in general, I'm not, I wouldn't go, oh, it's only year one of the extension. That's wrong. We may think it's wrong to do that, but it doesn't mean a player isn't going to do that at some point. A player will do that. And maybe it's towns, maybe it's towns later this year. As far as the Warriors, why wouldn't the Warriors be interested in anybody that's really good? And just because D'Angelo Russell at one point was linked with the Timberwolves, uh, they're going to have to do better than D'Angelo Russell to move out of Towns, even if Towns is mad. But we'll see. The Ben Simmons thing is, you know, this is just rumor mill stuff, not, hey, you know, teams think Ben Simmons is available. I'm not saying that at all. Ben Simmons market, if he were 100% available, and I think if Philly has an early bounce, they're gonna, they would really have to go, hey, with three years of these two guys, Embiid and Simmons, and then we're, we've really underperformed. Um, and I, I would say they underperformed going up against a Boston team two years ago that they lost against in a bad East because they had the two best players, and they lost to the Celtics. They shouldn't have, and they did. And then last year, they lost to a good Toronto team, took them to game seven. That's fine, but I'm telling you, unless they get Boston in the first round, which you know we still have a half a season to go here, uh, Philadelphia, if they were to have an early exit, I think it'd be weird if the front office ownership didn't ask the question of what could we get for Simmons. Uh, the market for him would be all over the place. And 
the one thing that is, I was going through the same stuff you guys go through too. Like this isn't based on any, any call, but forget Carl Anthony Towns for a second. I actually think Ben Simmons on the Warriors would be the best version of Ben Simmons. The more I started thinking about it the last couple of days, I was like, wait, wait. Now, I don't think you could have Draymond and Simmons. And again, this stuff's been talked about. Uh, I think there may have even been a warrior source that was cited, like, hey, we're not interested, or you know, we couldn't have he and Draymond. And then the fact that Simmons' extension kicks in. But who cares? I mean, you just gave D'Angelo Russell all this money. Why wouldn't you pay Ben Simmons that? Even if you feel like Simmons is more of a... a, a look, he's an erratic production guy. But... As much as the Simmons correction has happened around the league, because there's some teams that just go, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know what that guy. If he were back with a healthy Golden State, I've talked myself into it. I have. I'm not the biggest Simmons guy. But in that version of it, where he would be allowed to run with those dudes, and you could say, wait a minute, they need shooting. You know, the sneaky thing about Golden State is they actually haven't had enough shooting the last couple of years. They haven't. And if you replaced... Draymond and Draymond, by the way, is balling. Like he's, it's not just numbers. It's that guy's still engaged when a lot of guys aren't. I mean, I've been so impressed with him watching the Warriors a little bit more the last couple of weeks as the things have gotten better since that Christmas game. But they, they, I think, would unlock a version of Simmons where then Simmons could defend. I mean, his defense is great. That's the crazy thing. Like Simmons looks like he's totally passive at times, but then you look at some of the deflection numbers and how good his defensive numbers are, and you're like, no, he's he's an engaged guy. He could run free. He wouldn't have to shoot. He could handle to all those guys. I That's it. I'm making it official. If it were to happen, I would be a huge fan for Golden State, despite the fact I don't think Simmons is a great fit for a lot of teams out there because he's just such a different kind of player. Enjoy the weekend. We will be back on Monday after another round of the NFL playoffs with Chris Long live from New Orleans and then getting you ready for the title game. And then we'll do a little uh, recap and see how this thing goes. Excited to be back to a place, a city in New Orleans and a state in Louisiana. You guys all know how much I love. So you can follow me at Ryan A. Rosillo and please continue to subscribe to the podcast and spread the word, rate and review. And uh, like I said, have a great weekend. 